0: Hello everyone and welcome to All About Movies, the podcast that's, well, All About Movies. Today I'll be sitting down with my good friend and film buff, Jarrett, and we'll be doing a little retrospective on the Coen brothers. I recorded this on location at Jarrett's apartment, and his walls are a little thinner, his neighbors a little louder, but I think it it all worked out in the editing process. So, hope you guys enjoy this very Coen Brothers episode of All About Movies. I'm here with Jarrett. Hey, what's going on? We're going to talk about the Coen Brothers. So, you know, what do you think makes the Coen
1: Brothers worth talking about today? I think it's mostly the fact that they're both incredible writers and directors. I think their their dialogue has this incredible back and forth that not many other people have, but they also have real visual talent to at just showing and not saying sometimes. I mean, we're going to talk about No Country for Old Men later, but that movie is incredible. It's incredibly dialogue sparse, and it shows you... So much with just the visual medium. I think they're really talented at doing both, and more so than a lot of people. Yeah, they certainly know who to pair up with, with yes. Roger Deacons
0: for "Exact no Country for Old Men. Um, and
1: most of the rest of their filmography. Well,
0: yeah, that's true too. Uh, so, talking about their writing, uh, I know we've talked about this before, but what's the deal with the Coen brothers and kidnapping? I, I don't know, man. It's a big plot in, I'd say, a good solid chunk of their movies. You got it in Miller's Crossing. You've got it in Fargo. You've got it in The Big Lebowski. You've got it for a little bit, No Brother Where Art Thou. I mean, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona, yeah. it's Even in their most recent film, Hail Caesar. There,
1: yeah, a guy gets kidnapped. Honestly, I, I think it's just it's a really easy mishap to twist in a comedic way which I think they do a really good job of a lot of their stuff is really heavy on the black comedy it's very it's very awkward funny and very sometimes meant to be a little offensive funny but in a way that's really smart and I think that kidnapping is just a really easy way to just spark a plot off immediately in a really funny and wacky way that's a good point I've, I've heard some people talk
0: about how the Coen brothers are great at putting normal people in
1: criminal yeah. events. In, like, people that would never commit those crimes, which makes it even funnier. They're, like, just not at all who you expect. It's very just, juxtaposed. It's fun. That's true.
0: Well, since we're talking Coen brothers here with you, let's start uh, with what your favorite Coen brothers movie is.
1: I think I have a, an odd choice for this, which is... Nobody who's listening to this yet will know me very well, but I love neo-noir movies. They're one of my favorite things. And Miller's Crossing has to be my favorite Coen Brothers movie. It's a not a hugely known movie like Fargo and The Big Lebowski, but I don't know. It's just there's something about the style and all the stereotypes that it, it hits, but also simultaneously kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudges at you. Where it's like, yeah, you're watching a genre piece, but we're also kind of making fun of the genre just slightly at the same time. It has a lot of fun, really heartfelt moments towards that genre. That's a good point. It's it's certainly one, while there's
0: still some comedic elements, it is one of their more serious ones. Yeah. Uh, especially out of their
1: early work. Absolutely. It's also, probably along with Oh Brother, just one of my favorite scores in movies ever. The... The wilting irish songs in the background folk melodies just get me every that's a good point they they team
0: up with a lot of good musicians because we have uh oh brother and miller's crossing has a lot of good music and then also more recently there's inside
1: you and davis which i haven't seen yet but i have heard everyone says is wonderful and i need to watch i just haven't gotten around to
0: it i will say that's one of my favorites of theirs uh they teamed up with a different cinematographer, giving it kind of a different visual feel. It's kind of very,
1: like, fuzzy, muted color tones, right? Yeah,
0: uh, the cinematographer Bruno Del banel did that one, and, uh, I hear he based the whole color palette of the movie off the cover of one Bob Dylan
1: album. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: very weird stuff. Um, so, you know, since you haven't seen that one, and you know, a few of the others on this list, what do you think is maybe the best one that you haven't seen,
1: speculation-wise? Speculation-wise, I'd say Inside Blue and Davis is probably the best one I haven't seen. Um, A lot of the Coen Brothers stuff that I have not seen is their critically panned work. And I think Lady Killers and um, A Serious Man, those are the movies that I really, that kind of style, the Hudsucker Proxy, where they just didn't, they maybe didn't quite bring their a game and so it just didn't all the beats didn't hit quite as well i think is what a lot of people's complaints with those movies are
0: yeah i i still hear a good chunk of people though who swear by the Hudsucker proxy i haven't
1: seen that one myself but you know a lot of people like that one the another one i haven't seen is barton fink um that's one i really do want to see i just haven't gotten around to it yet
0: um so since their first film's Blood Simple, I haven't seen that one, and you haven't seen that one either. Uh, going for the first one in their filmography that both of us have seen is uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, I think that's a good place to start then.
1: Yeah. Again, with the, the kidnapping theme, this is maybe the first, the start of that, I think? Maybe the first one?
0: I believe so, unless there's something in Blood Simple with
1: kidnapping, which I'm not sure if there is. Uh, yeah. I I couldn't tell you. Um i think this is an interesting first it's interesting that this is the first one that we know because it's maybe just a little more comedy heavy than e- anything else they've ever done i think it's the most easy to put in the comedy genre of any of their movies
0: that's true especially since they followed it up with miller's crossing yeah uh it's
1: one of my favorite nick cage performances absolutely sure. yeah there's there's no question uh I mean, he's, he's the perfect level of ridiculous for that
0: movie. Right. I, I wonder sometimes if it kind of was him being involved that maybe shifted the tone as far into the comedic that it did. Yeah, I, that's certainly possible. Plus, you have him playing with uh, John Goodman, which yeah. at the time he was more known for his comedic things. Next up, there's Miller's Crossing, which we've already talked about. Yeah, uh, Excellent. Then there's Barton Fink, Hudsucker Proxy, and then Fargo, when they start getting onto yeah. critics' radar. Yeah. Uh, that's a
1: fantastic movie. I, I love it. Um, it's always been a movie that I enjoy a lot when it's on. It's just never a movie I immediately go to, unlike everyone else. In th- I think this is one of the big tent posts of their filmography is Fargo. And it for me... I love the movie, it's just never something I grab if I'm like, I want to watch a Coen Brothers movie, which probably sounds weird to a lot of
0: people. That's true, that's true. I think had 1996 not been such a big year, it probably would have gone uh, with Fargo for Best Picture. Yeah. uh, Which definitely would have helped the Coens. But I'm glad that they started, at least decently
1: early on, getting some good critical acclaim. Absolutely, and it's the perfect example of their style of black comedy. It's just completely mishap based and hilarious, but also brutal a lot of the time. That's true, and what a cast
0: we've got: yeah. Frances McDormand, the wife of I think Joel Cohen, right? I think so.
1: One of the Coens. one of I'm the Cohen sure brothers.
0: It, I really don't know. That's great that such a great actress is married to one of them. Yeah, and it probably and helped her along being in Fargo, and it helped
1: them. It seems to be a healthy relationship, which is maybe not as common in Hollywood <laughs> among. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um and then next
0: up there's the big lebowski that was the film they had following up uh two years later which is maybe one of the furthest into the comedy side
1: yeah. i think it's become such a phenomenon at this point it's hard to a little hard to talk about it with distance but it's it is excellent and you're right it is probably their most just flatly comedic movie yeah it's also
0: along with Fargo you kind of have to think what all is there left to say about these movies because yeah. these two have been talked about a ton like there's probably quotes on t-shirts everywhere I mean for the big Lebowski
1: there's Lebowski fests everywhere That's that happen true. all the time um it's just it's one of the most iconic movies for anyone who enjoys movies i think it's maybe a movie a movie that people who don't watch a lot of movies may not entirely get and i know that we've had friends who just flat out watch the big lebowski and just i don't get it
0: yeah because i i think it has enough of a story on its own but a good chunk of it is a send-up to old uh
1: tropes to the detective film noir style yeah. and and also just to absurdity i think i i watched a video the other day about comparing uh the big lebowski to albert Camus' stranger interesting and it's pretty dead on where everything in the dude's world is just completely absurd nothing ever makes any sense but all the dude does is just keeps living yeah that's
0: all you (laughs) can can say that for him Uh, yeah i i really enjoy a lot of the fun that they pull with the score you don't often hear uh just dropped in from kenny rogers yeah. fifth dimension days which
1: Man, i fucking hate the Eagles. <laughs> yeah
0: and just for the mariachi version of the eagle song yeah which i i actually really like that's that's a fun song uh, the, the jesus is one of the best just bit characters ever created that's true yeah <laughs> Yeah, part of a nice long working career with that actor too, the yeah. Cohen brothers.
1: That's that's another, I think, really important thing about the Cohen brothers is that somehow they managed to build amazing relationships with great actors and just go to them over and over again.
0: That's a good point because we have uh, Frances McDormand, who's in a lot of their movies, which obviously they have a good relationship with, one yeah. of them being married to her. Uh, and then you have John Goodman that's in just about... like.
1: All their hits, yeah. really. John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro. Almost all of them. Steve Buscemi's in a lot. Um, George Clooney's been in a few. Yeah, and
0: then went on to direct Suburbicon, which I didn't see mostly because of poor reviews. Yeah. Which is very strange. I don't know where they would have
1: lost there. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe Clooney's just not the best director. I've never seen him. I, I At least I can't think of anything else he's directed off the top of my head.
0: I saw confessions of a dangerous mind which was him basing it off of a uh a script by charlie kaufman very weird charlie kaufman was left very unsatisfied by the experience since it's apparently quite the departure from what the script originally was so oh. maybe that's part of the problem not adhering to the script enough the cast looked great uh you got oscar isaac matt damon, damon yeah. julianne moore
1: where could it go wrong i know that's it it looked good i mean the trailer looked like classic coen brothers but i mean i don't know and then maybe that's
0: just part of the setting the expectations too high you know if you're looking for a good coen brothers movie and you get a movie yeah you're gonna have a hard
1: time that that is true but yeah they they build relationships with actors which i think really helps them get the performances they want when it comes time to use the specific actors they want to use. I think it's really cool.
0: I would agree with that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, moving on, perhaps from The Big Lebowski, which we should probably say was one of those with the kidnapping. Yeah. Uh, on to Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which
1: is wonderful movie. a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Roger Deakins basically created a whole new aspect of cinema because he couldn't get the colors he wanted. Yeah, I the color grading in that movies, it's gorgeous. just incredible. And like, I don't know that anyone's ever used color grading to that effect but quite as well. It's yeah, just it... instantly creates a style that you feel. You feel it. It's really cool. Oh yeah, it just kind of creates the
0: atmosphere for the movie along with the score. I yeah. think between the score and the color grading slash kind of the rest of the cinematography,
1: you're you're immersed. Yeah, and and the fact that if you know that the script is loosely based on the Odyssey, well, I think the film tells you that at the very beginning. That it. It's I don't remember based. if it does, yeah. but you you certainly figure get it out to yeah it. as it goes along. And I think that when you know that the film gets really interesting, you can draw comparisons, and it's just. A really cool tongue-in-cheek effort, and I love it.
0: We actually watched it in one of my English classes in high school. Yeah, uh, for that reason, because we had just read The Odyssey. I
1: I do love Cyclops, (laughs) John Goodman. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, again, a lot of their classic actors, John Turturro, John Goodman, turn in great roles. George Clooney. It might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, George Clooney role ever. He he just plays Ulysses Everett McGill perfectly.
0: That's true. I, I can't think of a movie where I love George Clooney more. Yeah. Uh, maybe Return of the Killer Tomatoes, perhaps. <laughs> but but that would be about it. Um, moving on, I've seen The Man Who Wasn't There. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't. It's it's one of the drier of the Coen Brothers movies. You, it goes to black and white, which is kind mm. of an odd choice. Uh, yeah. And then you get, like they like to do the film noir style thing, and Billy Bob Thornton plays a character that ends up wrapped up into crime. Gotcha. Uh, But the visuals are odd. The story's kind of odd. There's some turns that you're not really used to in Coen Brothers movies that are just weird. There's kind of a sci-fi element towards the end. That kind of throws me out of it that a bit. Is very odd.
1: Is for anything I think for me that has to do with sci-fi, I couldn't relate to the Kellen brothers at all because yeah. they're such down-to-earth, like human storytellers. Like they're they're always crazy abstract situations but in the end it's like really relatable humans that are performing them yeah for sure and so i i don't think of sci-fi like at all when i think of the coen brothers
0: yeah and it's weird and i think the tv show fargo lifted a few uh thematic and situational cues from the man who wasn't there i don't know if you've seen any of the tv show fargo i haven't yet i wanted to watch it it's pretty good it's pretty good um but it the Man Who Wasn't There is definitely a strange movie. And then Intolerable Cruelty. We're about to enter through a stretch of not critically well-received films because yeah. I don't think The Man Who Wasn't There was that well-received at the time. It was pretty I, indie and it I
1: don't think it's held up with time either. I mean, That's true. people don't remember it. You you talk about Coen Brothers, people remember Fargo, Big Lebowski, O Brother, you know, these movies not always the man who wasn't there that's true
0: um but yeah moving on from the man who wasn't there there's intolerable cruelty which i haven't seen though we get into another george clooney performance i hear it was pretty standard rom-com style stuff gotcha which is very odd yeah i i can't imagine how that would be from them uh then there's the lady killers which is probably their worst received movie
1: yeah i that's what I've heard from everyone. I haven't seen it. I know you have, but it's been a
0: while, right? Yeah, I I think I saw it, maybe rented it not long after it came out. So this has mm-hmm. been more than a decade, and I just remember it being kind of weird, kind yeah. of trying to go into the maybe dirtier, edgy comedies ah. a little bit, which I don't think really worked for the Coen Brothers. But nah, I think I think they're a little too smart for that. Yeah, and you have. You have Tom Hanks and J.K. Simmons, who... I think J.K. Simmons could deliver on that end, maybe, but Tom Hanks didn't quite mm-hmm. pull that off. And then it was kind of weird pairing them with Marlon Wayans, who was doing a lot of the scary movie kind of films at the time. Ah, gotcha. Which, I don't know. It was just a little odd. Yeah. Uh, But then, after the Lady Killers, they, they did a couple segments... And some anthology movies, Parisia Tim, which I enjoy, and one called Shakun San Cinema, which mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with at all. Yeah. Um, of it. But right after those, we get into No Country for Old Men. Kind of maybe a serious turn to come back from their comedic
1: failures, yeah, perhaps. Probably also their most serious movie. I, I mean, I haven't seen Blood Simple, I haven't seen the others, but No Country for Old Men is a. Really, it's not really. It's dry and it's dark and it's very existential and just. There's no humor in it. It's very straightforward. Not straightforward, but very dark. I guess would be a good word. Yeah, I. Oddly enough, the first
0: time I saw this movie, I didn't like it. Yeah. I think it was entirely because of the ending. Uh, which when I watched this for the first time, I watched it on just a really small TV. and you know the visual stuff was neat uh it was nice the actors did fantastic job but when you get to the end and you get to you know one of the characters about to confront the other there's a thing and just a really small hole in a door and you're kind of supposed to see it and if you see that you get the movie I didn't see that. This was a small screen. (laughs) Maybe had I gone to the theater for seeing it the first time, I would have noticed it, would have loved it. Yeah. Didn't. I was like, what's going on with this movie? Then, at the end, we just kind of get talked out of the movie by Tommy Lee Jones' character. A nice little
1: monologue. I I think the thing this movie does better than most Coen Brothers movies is present a villain. Like a truly bad person that you do not like at all i think coen brothers do a really good job of making even their horrible people relatable sometimes anton Shiger is just meant to be pure evil and not relatable at all and it's really intense and they did an incredible job with it
0: yeah i think they don't do that a lot but though i certainly see parallels to his character and the evil force that's in raising arizona yeah that's true definitely a lot of you know quieter characters anton Shagur more so than
1: than the biker but yeah you know they they
0: just feel like forces more Mm -hmm. than they do
1: people yeah exactly very like the joker and the dark knight they're just yeah elemental beings that just cause carnage and destruction so
0: since we're on the subject it's something that's an age-old debate for for film fans no country for old men versus there will be blood same year, similar locations, big contest at the Oscars. What do you think?
1: I, I like No Country for Old Men more. I think mostly just because it's paced a little faster. It, it moves a little quicker, which I like more when the movie is going to be very dry, like both of those are, and very thinky, intellectual, studies but also incredibly dark and a little bit depressing both of them i think but i i definitely like no country better it just moves quicker for me
0: i could agree with that i i haven't seen all of there will be blood
1: it's a long movie
0: yeah it's it is a long movie uh but i've gotten to the point after a couple more rewatches to liking no country for old men uh Watching it on bigger TVs helped. has helped, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kind of, kind of growing into being okay with the thematic resolution more so than narrative resolution. I yeah. think has helped a lot. And then, after No Country for Old Men, we get into one of my favorites, and I think severely
1: underseen, Burn After Reading. Oh, we go absolutely. back into the comedies. Yeah. This is this is a comedy in a way that's very different though this is the coen brothers going full black comedy oh yeah that it's incredibly dark and weird and if you don't get it you won't get it at all (laughs) but if you get what they're trying to do it's hilarious oh and if we're talking george clooney performances yeah him and brad Pitt. (laughs) oh my god him and brad pitt
0: just steal that movie uh, like every K- and jk simmons in that yeah. is a that's jk D- simmons in a coen brothers movie yeah he's a uh, delight so funny just every moment of it i i hesitate to want to get into it too much yeah just because not a lot of people have seen this
1: they need to yeah i mean watch it it's, it's so funny it's incredible it if you know anything about kind of the spy movie genre it just breaks everything about it and turns uh, it on its ear. It's beautiful.
0: Just just such delight in the little things. Yeah. I think is the big thing with that movie. It's just little moments
1: taken for for bigger rides. And little moments that accumulate over the movie into True. just hilarious moments
0: at the end. Uh such a great movie. The next thing a year later is a serious man, which I've seen. Uh, I, I watched yeah i watched it with another friend of mine he hated he did not understand it at all uh i didn't hate it as much as him i would say i didn't care for it that much it's it's another that's a little dry we go back into kind of the realm of the man who wasn't there yeah um i would say some of the nice things about it is we get to see maybe more of the personal lives of the coen brothers because it's about a young, like Jewish family in Minnesota, which Minnesota has kind of some segments of Jewish families in there. Um, but the Cohen brothers come from a Jewish family in Minnesota, mm. so I think we we get a little more into their ideas of kind of their roots. Did you like Joaquin Phoenix in that? He did a good job. Yeah, I would say I would say his acting was really spot on. Especially since there wasn't a heck of a lot for him to work with. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I take from it is you're getting a Job-like character. Just Aww. bad stuff keeps happening to this guy. Especially since there's some biblical roots already. Uh, a lot of talk is had by this man to different rabbis trying to seek advice. Yeah. So there's some religious basing and then just bad stuff happens to him. And that's the movie. Bad stuff happens to Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he's he's Daredevil. Just, well, yeah. Bad stuff happens to him. <laughs> bad stuff happens to him. And then... More bad stuff. Yeah, and then more bad stuff and then the movie's over. Yeah. Is really what we get. And there's some dark comedic moments in there that, that I think are good. There's some well-written moments in there uh, that that I appreciate. But overall, just kind of seems close. It yeah. seems like... Almost they got what they wanted, and maybe they did get exactly what they wanted. Yeah, but
1: not not something that was as appealing to the masses as I think a lot of their other stuff is. Um, But after this, we go back on to... Sorry to cut you off, but sometimes directors have those where they're just like this is a personal project i don't care if anyone likes it this is just something i need to make and maybe that was one of those for the Coen brothers
0: true and there's definitely kernels in there that i enjoy but yeah. i think overall it just wasn't quite for me fair enough um though their next film was a bit more of a crowd pleaser uh and one of their few remakes
1: this one in the lady killers uh true grit and see this is this is the Coen Brothers and. Maximum form, I mean they're over nine thousand, if you will oh, yeah it, they're it's perfect.
0: It's maybe one of my favorites of the
1: the neo westerns, yeah, and it's one of the few remakes I've ever seen that just blows the original away. I mean, I've oh. seen the original John Wayne movie, and it's a solid movie, but the Cohen Brothers remake takes it up on every single emotional level. They make every character. Have so much more depth than they do in the original.
0: Yeah, the, especially you get a lot more with the young girl. Uh, kind of Rooster Cogburn gets a little more humanized, I would say. Yeah, I think the little girl feels less like a plot device. In, yeah, in the Cohen brothers, I would agree adaptation. with that. Very, very grounded there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we get another Jeff Bridges, Cohen <laughs> brothers movie, which
1: and he's the perfect grizzled old. Oh, drunk yeah. cowboy in this
0: and was this the start of cowboy jeff bridges we it, get this and then be. crazy heart and yeah just kind of jeff bridges in real life feeling like a cowboy whenever he's
1: in interviews he's like oh hey i'm playing my guitar today which is weird because he's he's actually been in, he was in the big lebowski with sam elliott R- oh that's who's another like perennial cowboy and uh and they kind of frame that one like a western too yeah. with the opening monologue I don't know. I think there's something that Jeff Bridges, his like, his facial expressions just lend well to the old grizzled warrior of the West. You can't argue with it, and you know you get another
0: Matt Damon performance too, which uh, is pretty solid. Yeah, which is really solid. Uh, later on, he's in another Coen Brothers script, yeah, uh, Suburbicon. But we we get a very solid performance out of him in True Grit. Yeah. at any
1: rate. And this is this is one of the things I think where the Coens do a really good job of... There's this entire movie where you only hear about the bad guys, and you only hear the bad things about them, and then you meet them, and they're just incredibly relatable. I think that the, the bandit leaders are... I it's like some sort of outlaw posse, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Especially the leader is just really relatable and interesting and kind of charismatic and you've just been hearing horrible things about him this whole time and then he's an interesting character not just a a plot device or a generically evil villain. True and what what an intense ending just yeah. uh I I
0: don't want to give everything away but man uh such intensity absolutely. All right. Then they have uh Inside You and Davis is their next that they directed. This is 3 years later. Yeah. So it's a little bigger of a gap than usual for them, but they just churn out stuff now that we've been looking through their filmography. Yeah,
1: they they're pretty prolific. Um, I think maybe it helps that that they can kind of help each other's workload a little bit, and That's that fair. they can recover faster maybe than other directors because they're not taking on the responsibilities one director normally has. There's there's two people that can kind of split the burden.
0: True, yeah, which might help. True. It seems like every year there's either something written by them, directed by somebody else, or something that they've written and directed. Yeah. Which I wonder how they choose as to if they're going to direct a specific
1: project. It's got a... That is really interesting. It's... I mean, how do uh, how do you figure Tarantino did it in the early days? I guess now he just writes for himself. But in the yeah, early days, true. he wrote scripts for other people. And so did uh, um, Shane Black. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting um i wonder if they've ever answered that in interviews like how they decide which scripts they're going to use that's a good question i I bet
0: they have they seem like people who don't mind talking in interviews though i haven't seen a lot of commentary tracks by them no which is unfortunate yeah
1: maybe i think it's just that by the time the dvd (laughs) gets released of their last movie they're already on to the next thing they're not thinking about that last movie anymore so I always
0: looking to the future these Cohen brothers apparently.
1: Uh so busy. I feel like their mother just like,
0: oh sit down. <laughs> sit down for a while, Joel. Eat. Yeah, just have talk. a snack. Yeah. Let's talk." Yeah, right? Uh but I love Inside You and Davis. I'm not going to talk too much about it since Jarrett here hasn't seen it. Uh it's one I need to. It for sure is Oscar Isaac puts on a heck of a performance man this had to be really early in his career right this was pre-star wars pre yeah it was pre-star wars he'd done uh he'd done one kind of bigger film that's a period piece but he certainly wasn't the star of that he was kind of a supporting character Uh, but this is almost entirely his character through the whole movie you get just moments with him through the whole thing you just follow him along And while there are, you know, other characters involved, it's just... They
1: they move in and out of the plot, and it's just him.
0: Yeah, it's just his life over the span of a couple days, which I really like as a plot device. You're not breaking up this man's life. You're just getting a section from his existence.
1: That is really interesting. I like that. I mean, the Big Lebowski is kind of like that, too. That's true. You really don't know much about the dude other than the events that unfold during the Big Lebowski.
0: Yeah, and you could say the same about Burn After Reading and Fargo. Yeah you know that's just kind of a thing about them i think miller's crossing too
1: yeah it's you don't they don't do lifelong dramas they do like here's a section of someone's life you don't need to know anything other than inciting incident and then shenanigans ensue most of the time true
0: yeah i i definitely enjoyed this movie uh you gotta give it a watch the soundtrack also like it was not too long after i started getting into folkier songs and man, that that'll hit it for you, yeah, Oscar Isaac
1: should sing more. It's something <laughs> I'll say because of I, this movie. I, I'd love to see him sing in Star Wars then oh, <laughs> that'd be
0: great. We'll just do like the old Will Smith movies, uh, yeah. but
1: instead of a rap, we have Oscar Isaac sing a folk song. oh, that'd be amazing just oh. at the the helm of the Falcon or something just strumming along.
0: <laughs> that's all I want now, Jerry. Yeah. I'm disappointed that we'll never get it uh. Next, we have a couple more writing credits by them. They did the Angelina Jolie movie Unbroken, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. They were some of the writers on Bridge of Spies, the Steven Spielberg movie
1: I've heard is really good. Yeah, I, I haven't, haven't seen.
0: I haven't given it a a watch yet, but it's, I've it's also one heard. of those
1: movies that's it's a biopic and it's pretty seems pretty dry and serious. And those always take me a while to like get around to.
0: That's true. Yeah, I, I noticed looking at this the. A lot of them I haven't seen are either they're bad comedies or some more of their drier serious films. Yeah. And then next for directing is one I can't really speak on because I haven't seen it, but it's uh, one Jared's seen, uh, Hail
1: Caesar. Yeah, and this movie's really, really interesting for me. It, wasn't, it didn't do very well critically. I think it didn't do very well at the box office either. A lot of people, I don't think many people got it. Um, It was billed as kind of a typical Coen Brothers comedy, and that's not what it was. It was not Fargo. It was not um, Burn After Reading. It was a period piece. It's very much, if you appreciate old Hollywood, if you appreciate classic Hollywood, you will enjoy this movie a lot, and you will get everything that's going on. But if you don't, you're just going to be lost the whole time. You're not going to really care what's happening on screen. And I think that hurt the movie's reception a lot. But I I really do like it. I think it's a fun and interesting look at a period that the Coen brothers obviously love a lot. That's for sure, especially with their their
0: neo-noirs coming out a lot. You've got to love that era of Hollywood. Uh, So having talked through as much of their filmography as we can talk about uh i'm kind of wondering where they're left standing they've got a lot of hits they've got certainly a lot of misses they have a few things that started out as misses that became hits such as the big lebowski yeah uh
1: they're very odd filmmakers to talk about i i agree i think I think they go through maybe swings in motivation or swings in writing where all of a sudden they they've go through a rut of maybe not-so-great movies and then always come out of it like lightning with just something perfect. Every time they have a rut of maybe middling or not-so-great movies, suddenly The Big Lebowski or suddenly uh, No Country for Old Men just lightning strikes and they hit it perfectly and i think maybe we're in one of those kind of lulls right now and uh hopefully they they come back out of it i like they always do yeah i would agree with
0: that um yeah as far as things i can look at uh on their wikipedia page they've got a writing credit for something with another screenwriter dennis lahane uh that doesn't have a director announced yet so it's not necessarily going to be one of their films yeah uh but i'm hoping yeah we get another great solid coen brothers movie
1: yeah i i don't know that anyone anything's ever going to top the big lebowski or fargo i think those are kind of seated as their two like movies like when you think of tarantino you think of pulp fiction i think when you think of the coen brothers for me at least the movie that comes immediately to mind is the big lebowski and i think that's not going to change probably
0: yeah i'm kind of left between big lebowski and fargo with the coen brothers but that's for sure yeah um they definitely have a bit of a pattern looking at these you get kind of a comedy and then a serious run and then some comedies and then some serious films uh just going on the speculation game again we had a more serious inside you and davis then just some writing credits and then a more comedic hail caesar yeah uh what do you think we'll get now? Do you think we're still in the comedic phase
1: or Maybe I think I think they're starting to move out of maybe the really serious phase cuz again like I said Hail Caesar is maybe not as funny as you think it is if you haven't seen it. It's there's a few comedic moments. I think George Clooney's character has a lot to do with that, but for the most part it's a pretty grounded mystery that sets the stage for they move from studio to studio in the plot a lot and so you see different classic Hollywood era movies being made and so if you kind of understand what's happening in each of those sets you can see what the Cone brothers are doing they're just trying to show you little bits and pieces of all the different genre movies that were happening at the time and it plays really weird so I don't even necessarily know that I'd call it a comedy but i do think it's lighter than in lou uh inside lewin davis probably and so yeah i I would guess they're moving out of that a little bit that's fair that's fair uh
0: i did just notice through some research here that they're having a mini series coming out to netflix here soon uh that yeah should be coming up sometime this year called the ballad of buster scruggs interesting I, i assume based upon the lives of uh the Scruggs brothers yeah um uh, the kind of folk bluegrass duo uh but it's got a very interesting cast we've got James Franco Zoe Kazan Tyne Daly Willie Watson Ralph Ensign there's also Tim Blake Nelson and Stephen Root uh, both of them having worked with the Coen brothers earlier Stephen Root kind of stood out for me as the the blind radio station owner you know brother uh, where art thou yeah uh and then rumor says that liam neeson and brendan gleason will also be in the series that'd be cool i i would love to see brendan gleason as a, in a coen brothers movie yeah that's true he'd do pretty good uh, but yeah this looks like it's their first television stuff so i wonder if they're maybe part of the group that's headed that way so are they are they going to direct the whole season or are they just uh producers on it they're the only people listed as directing mm. um so it's kind of hard to tell
1: until something comes out. Because there, there has been a trend lately of big, like, 80s and 90s Hollywood directors who pick a, a pet project of a show to produce. And I think it's a really interesting trend. And if this is the Cohen brothers hopping on that, I I could definitely get behind that.
0: That's fair. All right, well, it's been great talking with you today about the Cohen brothers. Some of their hits, some of their misses. Yeah.
1: You know, and here's hoping their next thing's a hit. Yeah, I i'd love to see it i though i they have a fair share of misses i think they they they're so prolific that it doesn't really weigh down their career that much because every time they have a hit it's amazing
0: that's a good point all right well until next time everybody it's good talking